You are listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 241. Hey there, Rockstar, and welcome to another episode of Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantors, your host. I'm a speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I'm all about helping high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. Now, if you have decided that 2020 is your year to take your career to the next level, then I invite you to apply for my upcoming 10-week group coaching program that starts in February. Now, this is open to professionals and business owners who are committed to building greater confidence, influence, and impact in the workplace. You can be of any gender, we're very inclusive, and you can be from anywhere in the world as the training is conducted online. You can learn more about that program at thecmethod.com slash group coaching. Now, today on the podcast, we are having a very, very candid conversation around what it looks like to truly get out of your comfort zone and recover from failure. Now, I know that last week I said that this would be the last official episode of the year and that it would be um, my recap, you know, lessons learned from 2019, but I've decided to extend it for one more week um, because I really want to share this conversation with my good friend, Jules Dan. So the last episode of the year, official episode of the year will be next week. And then after that, we'll be having a best of series. All right. Now, you know that I'm a big believer in getting out of your comfort zone, right? In order to learn, grow and achieve fabulous things. That's what I like to demonstrate to you as well by doing my own comfort challenges. More on that later, maybe next week. And um, and so this week on the show, I'm, I'm really excited for you to meet Jules because he has done exactly that in the pursuit of finding meaningful and fulfilling work for himself. Over the last few years, Jules has drawn on his skill set, his passion and his creativity to launch various ventures, right? Various business ideas. Now, some of his ideas made no money. Others crumbled under changing market conditions, while some were just draining and unfulfilling. Yet after each quote unquote failure, Jules managed to pick himself up and move on to the next thing. Now, what I really admire about Jules is his ability to use failure as a learning opportunity, which is something I think we can all do better. And, you know, this is the key message that I want you to take away from this episode. This episode is not about how to build a business, right? That's not what this podcast is about either. But this episode is about how to deal with those fears and doubts when you are pursuing something out of your comfort zone, how to stay motivated and growth focused despite the setbacks. So you don't need to be pursuing your own business idea to find value in this podcast. Um, This episode's for you if you're pursuing anything outside your comfort zone, be it a new job, a new opportunity, a career transition, or a new hobby. All right, so let's dive into this conversation with Jules to give you the quick backstory for this conversation in the the point of the story where we start. When he was 23 years old, he was studying exercise and sports science at university and he worked as a gym instructor. instructor. Um, But he wanted to do something that was more meaningful and impactful. So he got exploring. He packed up and he went abroad to study for a semester and then he went travelling through Canada. And this is where his first major pivotal moments occurred. So let's dive into the story. Here's Jules Dan. I did a bit of a road trip with some friends, but then I went to BC, so British Columbia, 
and I backpacked around there for about a month and a half. And in that process, I had to do stuff like couch surfing and then I also had to do something like hitchhiking as well. So beautiful scenery in British Columbia. So it was really nice. Never hitchhiked before. Didn't know what to expect. And oh my God, you could have been murdered like that couple. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go. Don't say that. <laughs> no, but this is in the past. Like, I'm just saying you could have. I'm not saying you're going could to have. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't as remote as they were. They were very remote, those sure. two. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. So you get in the car, you have to talk to these people. And in the process as well, like I'm learning to get more confident, speak with people. And there is these two books that I have in my backpack. Some people think I'm crazy for carrying a library with me. I had two books that I would read all the time and be The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Tools of Titans. And the, is, That's a big book. It's a big book. That's a really fat book. <laughs> I was hiking with that book. And, and, You'd kill someone with that book, maybe protect you from the murderers when you're hitchhiking. <laughs> I remember, I remember someone's like, can I hold your bag? And, and they held it and they're like, what is in this bag? And at the very top was a book. And they're just like, you're an idiot. I'm like, no. Have you heard of a Kindle? <laughs> I know. But I was out in the wilderness for a lot of the time as well. No Wi-Fi. No. Or power. No. Okay. I didn't see any people for five days at a time sometimes. So you read The Seven Habits? Yep. What did you get from that? Look, I can't really recite all The Seven Habits off by heart. But the second habit is a really good one. And that is beginning with the end in mind. Right. So I use that in the regard saying like most conversations, most people you approach or activities you want to approach in life, imagine that you're at a funeral of yourself and everyone there is around you talking about you. What do they what do you want them to say about you? Is there going to be a few people who are just like, yeah, he's a good dude? Or are there going to be like hundreds of people crying like he did so much. He was a giver. He really cared about me. And I made that decision to be really that person to like show up, be present. And so at the time, yeah. at the time, if you were, I know we talk about death on this podcast quite a bit. If you had died, yeah. what do you think at that time people would have said about you compared to what you would have liked them to say about you? Oh, you know, like he's, he's a little bit quiet, um, doesn't always engage. He's soft-spoken. And how would you have liked them? So when, once you read the, that the second habit, yeah, what were your thoughts of? Oh, this is what I want people to say about me in my funeral. I want them to feel like Jules comes with excitement and with energy, and when I'm with Jules, that he really cares about what I have to say, and he's curious, and he's not only curious but just not faking it as well. Like he's genuine about how he approaches uh, a relationship. So it sounds like that had a profound impact on you. Yeah. And when I came back, a lot of the friends said to me, you're almost like a different person. And uh, it was a really assuring feeling because I felt like I carried everything from what I'd learned at the gym and stuff and on my trip. And then I brought it back to everyday life. Yeah. So then what did you start to do after that? Well, in the Tools of Titans, there are all these amazing entrepreneurs and they brought up all these success habits as well. And... I kind of wanted to just be different and I felt like I was serving a purpose at a gym that was just only to a small amount of people. Like I wanted to serve more people and they had all these habits that 80% of successful people did. Stuff like meditation, stuff like journaling, breath work, mindfulness, exercise, basic stuff everyone knows that they're supposed to do but doesn't. 
and I ma- I've made it a foundational, foundational habit of myself to apply these habits and use that to try and leverage the second habit, which was beginning with the end of the mind. Amazing. So then where did you get your idea for your first business venture? Oh, man. Okay. So because I was exercise related and I was really into keeping the joints healthy and mobile from Tools of Titans, I learned some of the tips and tricks from that. And I wanted to go and help older people go and uh, improve their mobility because I noticed a lot of older people were getting frozen inside of retirement homes and whatnot. And I started going through the hoops of that, business name registered, I got customer testimonials, I built the website, and then I got to actually, you know, the legal requirements, uh, the the contracts you had to sign with the homes and whatnot. Um, and first off, those first two were quite expensive. And then the type of customer I'd be dealing with didn't have a lot of money as well. So I did a lot of customer research going there saying, how much would you pay for a class like this? Everyone will be saying like $5. And then I was like doing the numbers. I'm like, is this even worth pursuing? Like I want to help people, but I also don't want to live in poverty as well. So what were the key lessons that, or maybe the top lesson that came out of that experience? Uh, Rethink just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should go and pursue it. Like, do you really want to serve these people? And are these people in a position to be like a good customer, a good fit? Mm. And what was what was your state of mind while you were pursuing this? You know, did you, because usually when we pursue something that's completely new and out of our comfort zones, there's a bit of resistance or fear there. So what was going on for you? Oh, oh definitely. So I remember the, the, the very first time I had to walk into one of those homes and it was a really fancy one in queue. So mm. I went there. It's a suburb in Melbourne, by the way. A fancy suburb in Melbourne. Yeah. Lots and of rich people. <laughs> I, I did something a little bit black, like a black hat, tech, tech, black hat tactic. I noticed that the doors wouldn't open. So I waited for a resident to walk in and I'd just tailgate the resident. And then I walked in. They're like shuffling in slowly and gave you plenty of time to get yeah, in. I was just dawdling at, at the sidewalk and I'm the like, oh, there's like- one coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked in. And then um, I just started to- and I wanted customer research and I just started talking to some people and then a staff member came over me and she's like, excuse me, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, just having a chat here. Like, are you someone's grandson or something? <laughs> like, no, no. Um, I was wondering if I could talk to the manager if that's all right. And she was just like, basically like, no, who are you? What are you doing? Get out of here. Um, and I did that for a few different ones. What was the response? Well, all of them were just like, who are you? What are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. And how did that make you feel? Uh, it felt me, it made me feel like this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so it sounds like you, I mean, you and your youthful energy, you were like, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. And this is something that I love about pursuing your very first business idea is that you don't actually know what, like what could potentially happen. Um, so you don't, you don't know, oh, this, like what failure looks like because it hasn't happened before. So I found like I was the same when I first started. I was very gung-ho. I was like, yeah, this is totally going to work. And I found I actually had less fear than I would have now because I know how much work it is. Mm. You know, I know how hard it is. Definitely. But when you first get started, you don't actually know how hard it is. So you just go for it. Yeah, totally. And so what started to happen then once you realized, oh, this is really hard, 
what what started to happen for you? This was really hard. I just thought, okay, I'll try something a little bit different because it just seems like the end goal is too far. And I had all these photos, I had all these experiences, and then I saw that people were helping others by through their words on blogs. And then I started a blog at that point. For who? It was on my own. And it sounds a bit archaic right now. It was a website called Steemit. And they paid you in cryptocurrency at the time when before when Bitcoin was almost the, the value of a house. <laughs> yeah. It was worth a lot of money. So every post was making me like $50. And people were engaging with it and saying it was very helpful. I'm like, wow, this is the thing I want to go. So was this another thing that you were really good at naturally? Yeah. I, I, I was good at writing in high school. And... Uh, I felt like this was like a bit of a knack. So I like. So I think it. I think it's worth pointing out here that in these two instances, you were going, you were pursuing your zone of excellence. Mm. Would you say? Would you say that? Yes, I was good at that uh, the mobility stuff, and I was good at writing and presenting stuff yeah. like that. And you had that expertise already in the health and fitness industry. That's right. So, so for those of you listening who haven't listened to the episode I did um, called Are You Living in Your Zone of Genius? If you're wondering what we mean by zone of excellence, go back and listen to that um, because and Jules, you actually wrote it, reached out to me after that and said that was a great episode and you really an resonated. Episode. Yeah. So, so, so to quickly explain, your zone of excellence is when you're in your zone of excellence, you're doing activities that you are really, really good at. You've got the training, you've got the experience, people pay you well for it. You might've been doing it for a long time. You might've studied it. So you're going to be good at it already. You're excellent at it. You're better at it than most people and people pay you well. Mm -hmm. But does it give you energy? Does it give you fulfillment? Do you wake up out of bed being, yes, I want to do this. (laughs) Is that how, so how did you feel when you were writing these? articles well the initial thrill of making money was pretty good Mm. so um and then you know when i had to i didn't have to but i chose to miss social events so i could keep up with my blog i chose to um spend time where i'd normally doing leisure time working on the blog and at some points it just felt like do i really want to do this like I'm just regurgitating my events. Um, there's a few people being like, yeah, this is helpful, but am I really creating impact? Mm. And Going uh, back to the funeral idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. pretty much. <laughs> Are people going to say, he wrote really good blog posts. Exactly. He I, earned a lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> I know where to go in Guatemala now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, to clarify, how long were you pursuing the idea with the, the, the people um, in old folks' homes? Is that politically incorrect? The retirement <laughs> villages. Yep. How long were you pursuing that for before you moved into article writing? That was, I guess, very short, probably like three months. Okay. So you did that for three months. You're like, mm, not working. Seems yep. a bit hard. Yep. I'm going to go move into this blogging. Yep. How long did you do the blogging for? Probably about five months. And then what happened? And then there was a Bitcoin bubble burst <laughs> and the value of my post went from $50 to about $3. Oh, no. <laughs> and so it was like I'm writing for literally nothing. Yeah. Okay. So then you started to rethink. Rethink. So right. same same sort of pattern like happened before. Like, do I want to serve this audience? Am I making enough money? Am I making enough impact? So what was the lesson you learned there? Mm. Well, I actually learned a good lesson was that being consistent, when you were consistent with whatever you were doing, uh, people appreciated that. What do you mean by that? If you show up 
whether it was for a blog or when you say to yourself, like, I'm going to show up and, or when you have integrity and you're telling someone, then it pays off in the long run. Mm, Love it. With these two ideas, you've now gone, okay, probably not going to do that. Was there an inner voice telling you, you know, you're no good at this? Like, you know, what was that self-talk like? Okay. Thinking back to this, uh, my initial thoughts, I was actually not quite, I was quite, it was getting excited because I was like, okay, I've learned some stuff. So let's see if I can do something else. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So it sounds like you were still in that, you were quite happy to be in that period of exploration. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to try this, see if it works, doesn't work. That's okay. I'm going to move on to the next thing. I'm going to try something else. And you continue to learn along the way. Exactly. So what was the next idea? (laughs) All right. So I was coming up to the end of my exercise and sports science degree. And I thought it'd be an excellent way to showcase my credibility by starting a personal brand in something called biohacking. Have you heard of biohacking? Uh, When you like do stuff with your body to make it perform better. Yeah. Have you heard of Bulletproof Coffee? Yes, I have. So I've I drank it before. <laughs> yeah. The guy who runs that, his name's Dave Asprey. He's yep. kind of like bullet is kind of like sorry, biohacking king. Tells you like all these different hacks, supplements, uh, lifestyle strategies, nutrition to really get the most out of your biology and your sure. body. And I was super passionate in that. It was about health. Do you want to know what happened next? Of course, <laughs> of course. So wait, did you so what how did how did that pan out? Like what did that look like? Well, I did the same process. I built the website, I was finding my audience, trying to serve the audience, doing everything stuff, learning all this marketing stuff in the process. And how are you going to make money from it? Yeah, I was very a bit unclear on that. I was just like, build it and they'll come, which right. is a terrible piece of advice, by the way. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. All right, so you built the website. Yeah, and my initial thought was I was just going to build a social following, engage with those people, figure out what they want, and then sell them that. Yep. And what I found out was that, and this is the same with group fitness instructing and personal training, is that health is kind of like an onion. So people want a health transformation on the top layer of the onion. But when you really get to know these people and you work with them one-on-one, there's a few other underlying problems underneath. There's trauma, there's Mm. insecurity, there's anxiety. um, And you're not only a trainer or a coach, you're kind of like a part-time therapist. Mm. And uh, there was a weird pattern I noticed between that with online business and that with what I was going with personal training. I'm like, this health space is giving me a weird energy. Like, I don't want to quite serve this audience. Right. So it sounds like you're learning a lot about like, who are the people that I actually want to serve? Yeah. Like, do I love these people or am I a bit like, I don't know if I want to deal with these people. Zone excellence again. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're very much still in the zone of excellence. Okay. How long did you do that for? Uh, six months. So you pursued that for six months. Did you make any money? I made zero dollars. Did you build an audience? I built a mini audience of about a thousand. Yep. But then they didn't give you any money. Well, did you sell to them at all? I didn't make... I'm All I made was an email list, a few offers, but no like monetary offers because I was just telling myself the story like, you know, I need to build trust first. Um, uh, I need to get more information, but in hindsight, I should have just made them an offer. Well, that was the way I, my very first business idea for design students, that's what I did. I built a lot of um, content, I put, I built the website, but I didn't actually put offers out there. I didn't sell people anything. Yeah. Um, so you did that for six months. Mm-hmm. So what was the moment where you went, hmm, 
maybe this is not the right idea the either. Mo- the moment <laughs> I remember I, there was, a, so I was actually getting a lot of questions in my Instagram inbox. And this is where, where I was gauging what sort of like these potential clients would be like. And I remember I woke up and there was like five or six and people were like, I need help with motivation. I need help with um, getting out out of bed. And I realized like, okay, okay, do I want to go down this road? Yeah. Not really. I don't want to be texting people going, come on, get out of bed. Yeah. I'm not a life coach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in that moment, you realize, all right, this is not for me. And then what happened? I, I kind of deviated from the path of wanting to help people. And I don't know what was going through my mindset. Maybe it was like a scarcity mentality that I made no money from that business, that I wanted to pursue something that was more lucrative. So I took the business, so the marketing side of that, and I presented it to local businesses. So like Facebook ads, lead generation, chatbots for automation. And I had some initial success really quickly with that. It was good. So you offered, so you went to other businesses and said, hey, I can help you market yourself. Yep. Yeah. Is this still a zone of excellence? Zone of excellence. And I quickly found out that all that sort of stuff drains the hell out of me. Right. Tell me, give me an example of that. Okay. So let's just say that you go wake up in the morning and what would it be like to you, Christina, if five bosses are asking you different things. Mm. So instead of having one boss, like at a job, you've got five. Yeah. And you have to respond to all their different requests and make them all happy. And they're on different timelines of different projects. Right. How would you feel? Um, well, that's I'm not very good at doing that sort of thing. So I'd probably feel very drained and stressed. Yeah. Would you feel overwhelmed? Probably. Would you feel like you're trapped? Yeah, probably. I'd feel like I have built myself five jobs. Exactly. Is that I, how you felt? I built myself a slavery job, basically. This mm. was not a business. Mm. But you were making money. I was making a bit of money, yeah. So were you were you feeling like, oh, this is good because I'm making money because you didn't make money from your other mm. ventures. So what was going on in your mind around that? Yeah, I felt really alone um, and... I wanted to bring this up with your audience as well. So like if they wanted to do something new or something different, whether it's a business, a pursue a passion or a hobby or something. Go, or a new job. Yeah, exactly. Different industry. Yeah. So many people are looking for permission from everyone. And for me, I only had two people who I had sort of permission from. One for my dad. The rest, I have a sis- another, I have two other sisters who are both just like – not necessarily like supportive, but weren't really like, how should I put this? So they were, they weren't not supportive, but they weren't like, yeah, go Julian. And my mum was just like an old work mentality. You need a job nine to five. And then, so it was my dad who was behind me and my sister who was, sorry, my, my girlfriend who was behind me as well. And they were the ones who had permission to have. So yeah, just like a side note. If anyone wants to get a new job or anything, if you can just find one person to give you permission to do that, that's that's all you need. Do we even need one person? Technically, no. But if it's your first time like that... Yeah. It helps. It helps a lot. Yeah. 
So Jules, let's stop talking about zone of excellence. Let's talk about the zone of genius because I do believe you have found your zone of genius. Yeah. What is it and how did that come about? It is being able to extract people's story out of them by interviewing them. Mm. And I know like when you told me this, you were really excited and I believe you're, you're launching a podcast about it as well, yep. um, which is really exciting. So can you tell me the story about how, like, how did you discover this and what made you go, oh, this is my thing? Mm-hmm. Good question. So you can see, if you're seeing in the camera, I'm smiling because I'm really yeah, excited about so this. Excited. <laughs> so when I was super frustrated with uh, that launch, that was pretty good, but they thought it was not that good. Enough bosses. Uh, I saw there was a marketing event in America and I was in a Facebook group where these people were as well. And I had a look at a lot of their profiles and I saw the way they were engaging and everyone was excited and they really wanted to change. And that had a lot of the audiences that they had influence over, they wanted to create a positive impact in the world. And I thought like, this just has to be the event that I need to go to. I mm. want to surround myself with these people. And I went to that event in Boise, Idaho. It was called Off a Mind. And it was so, so good. I met so many like-minded people and made so many connections that it basically paid for itself in the process. And I believe that you did put, you put quite a bit of money on the line from memory because I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. Well, no, I heard about it on your podcast. Yep. It was probably about three and a bit thousand dollars at the time. I did have to borrow a little bit from my dad in the process, just being honest. Not- but you were like, I'm going all in. Like yeah. I'm committing, I'm doing this thing. And I, I remember you saying that the I fact that, money. The, the, I remember you saying on, on your podcast that the fact that you put all your money on the line, it was going to force you to then take action and make this happen and make this a profitable business. That's right. Yeah. I met all these amazing people. That's the important part. If you go to an event and you meet these amazing people, definitely stay in touch with them. That's yeah. like rule number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then how did you discover that you're great at interviewing people? So in the process, I still want to do this chatbot stuff, but changing the audience up. And I wanted to do storytelling because it worked really well with that launch I did with that other client. And so I wanted to do storytelling with chatbots, B-O-T-S. Mm. If you're not sure what it is, it's like an automated messenger inside Facebook. Mm. And I wanted to help create these online coaches and course creators, tell their story so that they could really build connection with their audience break down any any objection they might have so they can take a positive action in their life. And in the process, I had a questionnaire, sort of like a story structure, eight steps of a story. So who was the first person you interviewed? Yeah, I didn't quite interview them. I had a piece of paper, questionnaire, and they both said, the two ladies said, I can't write this. And then one of the guys who wrote something, I just thought, this isn't any good. So I took it upon myself to interview them and instead of just going through the questions, I didn't even realize this. I just interviewed them, had a transcript, and then I saw what I was doing to get really good stuff out of them mm. unconsciously. Mm. I didn't realize it. And, and so is this, and this is something you didn't realize that you were good at before. I thought it was okay. So I'd always been, like I said at the start, striking up a conversation, asking questions, being genuinely curious in people, like the second habit. And... That may have just helped unlock that epiphany moment. Wow, I can actually 
extract the story. Because all of them at the end were saying, like, I've never been able to tell the story like that. I have a lot more clarity in my messaging now, who I want to serve and what their problems are. So it was a really, really nice feeling. So can you describe what the zone of genius is? Oh, the zone of genius is if you can think of flow or effortless time standstill, you get energy from your work, things are easy. That is zone of genius. Mm, where it's like work that doesn't feel like work. And and also importantly, you are, you're better at it than pretty much everyone. So you're really, really good at it. Yes. And to a point where you'll explain it to someone and they'll just be like, wow. Yeah. I, I but then to you, you're going, I don't know. It's just, it seems easy to me because yeah. you're in flow. Exactly. Yeah. So is that how you felt while you were doing these interviews? Yeah. They were good. I felt really good. So how are you feeling now? Because I know that this is something, having had all these different ideas and ventures and things that you've done along the way and then pivoted and changed your approach, is there something about this idea that's making you go, this is the one? That's a good point. I still don't know yet Mm. because in the process, it's still just testing the waters and this is what the podcast is going to be about. Yeah. Gone through a few validation phases. People have been liking it so far in the early stages. And so we'll just have to wait and see. But so far, like we said, it's like energy is really good. doesn't feel like work. Mm. I feel like I'm impacting people in the process. People are saying this is actually going to be helpful in what I'm doing rather than saying great blog post. Right. Is there anything else about this particular venture that for you – there's something different about it that makes that gives you more confidence in it. Yeah, so the people who I've been working with are quite influential in terms of the people they, they work with or they impact with. And a lot of them are saying, I've never seen anything like this. I haven't seen anyone simplify the process so that it's teachable and understandable and in lay terms. So good. Yeah. Well, Jules, look, I want to say a big congratulations to you. I really I admire your tenacity and your ability to say, you know what, I'm going to try this. And even when it doesn't quite work out the way you wanted, you go, that's okay. I'm going to go to the next thing. Um, I think that's a, a really amazing quality to have. And I'm I'm sure that that where you're going right now with this, you've got all the right tools in your toolkit that you've built up over the last few years through your other experiences that you're then going to channel into this venture as well. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I have one last little note for your listeners Yeah, of course. Well. So I heard a little fun fact the other day and that was if you want to get more influential, you should get better at storytelling. So if you can use stories to convey facts, to counter arguments, to describe a concept, people will listen to you. So that's why you should listen to my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Storytelling Secrets. All right. So it's called Storytelling Secrets. When does it launch? On December 2nd. December 2nd. In the US. So December 3rd for us in Australia. And it's for people who want to learn how to become better storytellers? Yes, especially when it comes to using it inside of your sales message. I will be bringing a lot of entrepreneurs onto the show. Yep. In my launch though, there will be a few quick tip action steps that pretty much anyone can use for themselves. Love it. And where can people connect with you? The best place right now is probably on Facebook or LinkedIn, Julian Danielak. Awesome. And I'll link that up in the show notes as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks for joining me on the show. I'm really grateful. (laughs) 
big thanks to Jules Dan for being so open and honest on the show with us. You know, I'm particularly grateful to him because talking about failure is not something that is normally done, right? We tend to only talk about our success and we hide our failures away. And I think this is a conversation that more of us should be having to to share what we've done that hasn't worked and how we've been feeling about that and how we've recovered. And I think if more people were open about that and more people talked about it, then it would make it, you know, less of a, a shameful thing to do, you know, to fail. So thanks again to, to Jules. Now, if you want to check out his podcast, it's called Storytelling Secrets. And since our conversation, Jules has sent me a freebie to give to you, which is super cool. It's his story formula and a step-by-step process on how to tell a great story. So if you want to bring more humanness and personality to work through storytelling, then definitely check it out. The link to those freebies will be in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 241. Now, before I leave you, I do have a listener shout out. I want to say a big hello to Daniel Diallo, who I have been having some conversations with on Instagram. He is pursuing a career as a speaker and he um, spoke at a recent industry event. He was the keynote speaker. And I think he's, I think he's quite young. You're only 17, Daniel. So that is amazing, an amazing achievement. So well done for that. And uh, thank you for being a subscriber and for being a listener as well. Your support means a lot. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I hope that you found value in it. If you did, I would really appreciate if you could share this with someone, share it with someone who you think may need some motivation or, um, you know, a boost to or some encouragement to help them pursue something that they might've been putting off out of fear of failure. I'll talk to you next week for our actual final episode of the year. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Bye.